Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Ah, God is good. God is good. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of James. We are in the second installment of a series called James, Working Out Your Faith. Come on, somebody say, working out. Come on, show that bicep off next to your neighbor and say, I've been working out. Come on, check it. Check it out. (laughs) Some of you are like, man, you need to work out. Uh, I love it how God works in us, but then he commands us to work out that experience to the world around us. And James, we, we said last week, is such a practical book. It is just chock full of so many uh, just on-time things for us that you can apply immediately. And so last week, if you were here, we talked about trials. We talked about troubles. How many remember we talked about count it all joy? Yeah, when you fall into trials and struggles and problems, count it an opportunity for joy. How many of you had a lot of opportunities for joy last week? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We la- last week, we talked about trials and troubles. Today, I want to talk to you about street-level faith. Come on, somebody say street-level. Street-level faith. This is where the rubber meets the road. Come on, somebody. We're going to keep it real. James is going to challenge us today. I'm so glad that what we receive in here as a body of believers, that it also works out there on the streets. Can I have a better Amen. How many of you know that if it don't work on the street, we don't be preaching it up in here? And this is what I love. James gets me fired up, man. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor's fired up already. He's ready to run all over this place. James chapter 2, verse 14. Oh, street level faith. Here goes James. Jimmy tells us this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Mm-mm-mm. Somebody say, my, my, my. What good is it? Okay, you, you people of faith, you say you got faith, but you're not showing it by your actions. Can that kind of faith even save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Verse 17, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, well, wait a second. Some people have faith and others have good deeds. James says, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. (laughs) Well, 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 good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. (laughs) Uh, I like, uh, James is keeping it real today, is he not? So you say you believe in God, there's one God, that's great. Even the demons believe that, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless. Uh, One translation says, faith without works is dead. I want to unpack these five or six verses for us, and and I feel like there's so much in it. This is rich, 
okay? I don't know what you ate for breakfast, but we're fixing to serve something up today for your soul that's going to encourage you. Um, James is talking to us about the relationship between faith and works. Now, I feel like I need to, let me start this, this lesson today by giving you some context, okay? And I feel like this is super important because the Bible talks about faith and talks about works. And Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith. And yet James says that faith without works is useless. Is there a disagreement between the Apostle Paul and the Apostle James? N- no. None whatsoever. I think what we're going to find out here is we don't work for salvation, but we work from salvation. Are you with me? This is an important distinction because, you know, a lot of people view Christianity as a, um, as a works-based religion. Well, I, I just, I'm not into religion. I was talking to a guy the other day, and it's amazing how when they don't know what I do for a living, how our conversations are just really, I mean, they're real. But the minute they find out that I'm a pastor, everything changes. You know, so we were talking, and man, I'm just your average Walmart shopper, and everything was great. And then he found out I was attached to you people. <laughs> And then it's like everything changed. Oh, well, you're a pastor. He says, well, I, I, I'm not religious. And I told him, I said, great, neither am I. And he was like, he was shocked. He couldn't believe that a pastor wouldn't be religious. And I'm like, man, Jesus didn't die to give you some dead, dried up religion. Come on, somebody. I'm not in, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not into religion. Oh, man, religion is such a bondage. We, 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 we got to flip the script on this. Jesus didn't die to give us religion. He died to invite us into relationship. I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I come to church not because I have to, but because I want to. You see, religion says have to. Religion says got to. Religion says you have to earn your way into God's grace. How many of you know that's a lie of the devil? You don't do anything to earn your salvation. Salvation is a gift. Come on, somebody. How many know that on your birthday, you get gifts, right? You receive a gift. Now, really, it should be your mama because she did all the work. Come on, somebody. On your birthday, mama should be getting some gifts. And all the ladies said, you know, it's a perfect picture of salvation. Mama did all the work, but we get the gifts. That's what happens when it comes to relationship. Jesus did all the work, and you get the gift of salvation. The only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. I'm not saying you have to work your way into a relationship with God. That is impossible. James is not saying that either. Religion is spelt D-O. It's based on everything that you do. And the challenge with that is you can never do enough to enter into heaven. Sometimes people have this picture in their mind of like a checking account. There's credits and then there's debits. And if I do a good deed, I get a credit. And hopefully I've earned more credits than the bad deeds, the debits. And so as God is counting this this ledger on judgment day, if if the good outweighs the bad, then I get in. Listen, it doesn't work that way. You enter in by faith. Come on, can I have a good amen? See, religion is spelt D-O, but relationship is spelt D-O-N-E, done. Based on what he's accomplished for us 
on the cross. I know we've said this before, but good deeds like going to church. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching online. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Chick-fil-A makes you a waffle fry. Come on, somebody. Everybody say, God bless Chick-fil-A. I love its Polynesian sauce, but I, man, just because I go there doesn't make me a waffle fry. Just because you come to church doesn't make you a believer. Now, James is going to talk to us about the relationship between works and faith. We are saved by faith alone. Somebody say faith alone. We are saved by faith alone, but faith never stays alone. We're saved by faith alone, but faith doesn't stay alone. It produces something. And and, in fact, if I could show the the relationship between faith and works like this, I want everybody to take a deep breath. I want you to inhale. Ready? Okay, now exhale. Didn't that feel good? Let's try that again. Ready? Inhale. That's faith. Now exhale. That's works. You see, inhale is this intake of the gospel. When you come to church and you hear the word, it's the gospel, man. It's it's faith coming to you. But when you leave this place, you exhale. And it's working out your faith out there in the world that desperately needs it. Are you with me? Billy Graham once said it like this. He used this analogy, and he was way more eloquent than I could be. But he said that faith and works are like the legs of a man. He says the first step is faith. Then the second leg here is works. Faith works. Faith works. Faith works. And the more we walk this thing out, you can't tell which leg is which. Our first step is faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But then he says, now get to work. You believe in me, now put that faith in action. Can I have a good amen? James is breaking this down for us. We don't earn our way into heaven, but when we say yes to Jesus, then there's work for us to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want to give you two simple thoughts, and I got sub points uh, underneath these two. But the first is this. I think James is telling us, number one, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Now, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from the state of Missouri. You know what the nickname of the state of Missouri is? Oh, yeah. Some of you took civics back in the fourth grade. The show me state. Missouri is the show me state. And it was tagged that because years ago, one of the congressmen from Missouri was frustrated with uh, just the, the, the lack of movement and activity and unkept promises and political red tape. And so in Congress one day, he stood up and said, look, I'm from Missouri. You got to show me. And I think James might be a native of Missouri. James is saying, listen, I know you say you're a Christian and you say you have faith but I want to see it put in action. You see, I believe that Sunday morning inspiration has to turn into Monday morning perspiration. Are you in me? And I'm grateful for the house of God, and I pray that when you come on Sundays, there's a sense of expectation and there's this gospel intake, but you know what? You live in the real world. That gospel has to go to your workplace. It has to go to your school campus. It has to be in your neighborhoods. It has to go to Walmart. Come on, somebody. James says, if you call yourself a Christian, but you don't have any actions to prove it, are you really saved? 
Don't just say, don't just say. You talk about it. And sometimes, you know, over the years, if you spend time in church, we can adopt a real Christian-type language. And we can say things that sound very similar, but unless the fruit of our life is producing something, we might want to check ourselves. Come on, somebody say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's almost like a receipt. You know, what, what James is saying is that it's the picture of a receipt. You know, you, when you go to the grocery store and you pay for your groceries and you bag them and you walk out, they, they give you a little slip and sometimes they'll ask for, sir, can I see your receipt? And what you do is you show them a receipt and that little white piece of paper is a proof of purchase. That receipt didn't purchase those groceries, but that receipt is a proof that those groceries have been paid for. And, and what we're saying here is this, as you and I are walking out our faith, the work that Jesus did on Calvary paid the price. We're not trying to earn our way into a place or a position, but from what Jesus paid for, the receipt is our good works. And by our works, we demonstrate that we have faith. Are you with me? Jesus said it this way, he said in Matthew 7, verse 20, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. What's he saying here? Jesus is saying roots determine fruits. Roots determine fruits. Fruits. In other words, man, if you're rooted in the soil of God's word, now you can't see the roots. They're underneath the ground. But you can inspect the fruit that grows from the roots. Can I have a good amen today? This is the picture that, that James is, is painting. If you're planted in God's word, if you're grounded in the soil of God's love, then what grows from your life is going to be a receipt a proof of purchase that what Jesus accomplished is growing inside of you. Talk is cheap. I played basketball in high school and college, and I remember growing up, my dad, because if you played sports, how many know there's some trash talkers in sports? Oh, yeah. There's some people trying to get in your head, harassing you. I thought of many games that I played, and I had guys get up in my face and talking trash and saying things that weren't very nice. And, man, it just it bothered me. And I tell my dad afterwards, yeah, did you see that number 24? He's a trash talker, man. He's just filthy. And, you know, so I would kind of want to go back at him. And my dad would say, son, you let your play do all the talking. You don't have to open your mouth. Uh, yeah, they may have all those words and they're trying to distract you, but you just stay focused on what's in front of you and you let your game make all the noise. I love what St. Francis of Assisi once said. He said this, preach the gospel at all times, and if you have to, use words. Isn't that good? You say, wait a second, pastor. I thought by preaching you're supposed to be speaking. Listen, you don't even have to open your mouth, but every day that you live, there is a message coming from your life. I didn't say this in the previous service, but I want you to consider this. Out of 100 men, there may be only one man that will read the Bible. 99 others are going to read the man. Come on, somebody. They may not ever open the scriptures, but they're going to look at your life and the message from how you produce fruit. And whatever message you're producing, that's what they're going to take away. Are you catching this today? 
I heard recently a story of one, you probably heard this, one of the famous tightrope walkers in the world. He was from France and his name was Blondin. Blondin in the 1800s was just world known for his, the, these crazy feats of acrobatic maneuver. And his most famous was walking across a tightrope from uh, Ni- across Niagara Falls. And he would literally walk across this rope and, and would draw crowds from all over. And so Blondin was at the Niagara Falls with this tightrope and all this, these people were gathered around. And, and he says, how many of you believe that the great Blondin can walk across this wire across to the other side of Niagara? And everybody's screaming, yes, we believe. And he says, how many of you believe the great Blondin can walk across this wire with a wheelbarrow from one side to the next and everybody went crazy yes you're the great blondin of course you can he says how many of you believe that the great blondin can walk across this wire with a wheelbarrow and a man inside of it and everybody said yes we believe so he looked at a man and said okay get in the wheelbarrow (laughs) that man made a quick exit come on somebody he said he believed, but he wasn't willing to get in the barrel. Come on, are you with me? Uh, okay, let, let me flip the script a little bit. How many of you believe that the great God we serve can get you through any trial or trouble? How many of you believe this great God sent Jesus to die on a cross to shed his blood so that you can be healed in your body? How believe this great God of the universe he created you knows everything about you and can do the supernatural in your life get in the barrel okay get in the barrel don't just applaud from the safety of the rock come on now if you want to see the supernatural God is saying okay time to put your faith into action get in this barrel and watch what I do Can I have a better amen? See, I think it's so important. James says, if you see a brother in need, he needs clothes, he needs food. You can't just, oh, God bless you. I'll be praying for you. He says, no, faith needs to be put into action. Have you discovered it's not how much Jesus you know, but how much Jesus you show that really matters? It's not our knowledge of God that needs to increase, but it's our obedience to the things that he's already told us to do. I'm convinced that most people need to see a sermon before they hear one. We live in an age where, and you and I both know, talk is cheap and people question everything they hear. But if they see it first, then when they hear it, they can receive it. Is this making sense today? And it's super practical stuff. Uh, uh, I, I thought about this example. And some of you have heard uh, the, the, the Five Love Languages book, Dr. Gary Chapman. How many of you have, have read that or you're familiar with that concept that there are different love languages that he identifies, that, I mean, ways that we receive love and, and, and that we give love. And, um, and, and it, he's actually got a book, too, Love Languages for Children. I think it's fascinating to really see how God's wired your kids and how to speak the right language. Well, so for us, we, we've discovered, I know in my life, my top love language is words of affirmation. I am a words of affirmation guy. I love encouragement. I, I, I give encouragement. I receive it. I grew up in a home where my parents affirmed me. They told me how awesome I was every day. 
and I believed them. I mean, for real, they just, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. And here's what I love about you, son. Here's what I love about you, mama. You're the best. And man, I just, there was massive encouragement in my home. And, and you know, when we have birthdays at my house, whoever we're celebrating their birthday, we do affirmation station. Each of us goes around the table and we say one thing we love and my respect about the birthday boy or girl. And so it's just, it, it, that's a big deal to me. Words of, of affirmation. For Rachel, uh, her family, she grew up in a home that didn't really share the words uh, but, but they loved big, and her parents are doers. I mean, they are, you know, acts of, of kindness, and so she's a, her love language is acts of service. You know, that's how she gives love. That's how she receives it. So here I am, a words of affirmation guy, married to an acts of service girl, and here's how it kind of works out. You know, I just love telling Rachel how amazing she is, and she's begging me to wash the dishes. <laughs> and I'm just like, baby, look, you, you, I will tell you how awesome you are as you wash those dishes. She's like, that ain't love, boy. Come on, how many know if you love me, then you start running that water. And I think what James is saying here is don't let this just be words of God, I love you. But you got to put those words into action. And the best way that our world will receive the love of God is through the acts of kindness and compassion they see within the church. And I feel like you do this so well. James is telling us, number one, talk is cheap. Number two, he's telling us this, authentic faith demands action. Authentic faith, if we say we have faith, it will require something of us. Again, this is not working for salvation, but it's working from salvation. How many of you are just grateful for everything that God's done in your life? We sang about it this morning. How many of you are thankful for God's faithfulness? He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you are grateful that when you woke up this morning and you put your feet on the floor, you were met with new mercy? Man, how many are grateful that he puts breath in your lungs? Man, he gives you this day as a gift. There was no guarantee when you went to bed last night that you would even wake up in the morning. But you're here and you're just grateful. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Say, God, I just so appreciate you. Come on, talk to me. If you got gratitude, can I tell you this? You know your best thank you, Lord? You know what it is? It's not your words, but it's your obedience. You know the best way to thank God is just obeying what he's commanded. You know, my gratitude is not just to say, Lord, you're just so amazing. But sometimes I got to get in there and wash the dishes. I got to obey what the Lord's telling me to do. And I feel like this, the second thing, kind of the book into this, James is telling us that authentic faith will require action on our part. Now, here's how we embrace this as a church. Because I really feel like we live in a culture that's very cynical critical and questions everything and and for years the church has had a message but unless that message is coupled with action they may not receive it in fact I'll go so far as to say this we must earn the right to be heard how many of you you either go to school or you work with people that are not Christians oh y'all working in a Christian environment Everybody saved at your place? How many of you, you experience darkness on a consistent basis? How many have friends or maybe neighbors that don't know the Lord? 
Okay, I believe that before they receive our message, they will first evaluate our lives. And they say, can I trust what's coming out of your mouth? Come on, are you with me? And this is why for us, Healing Place Church, serving is such a big deal. Serving is a premium. It's so important that we not just say God loves you, but we show that in practical ways, in tangible ways. I just feel like through kindness, man, walls begin to fall. People will receive the authenticity of our message when they see consistency in our lives. You see, the church is so much more than just an organization. In fact, I'll say it's not an organization. The church is a family where you belong. It's a home where you're loved. It's a hospital where you are healed. Uh, Hear me, HPC. If we're going to be a healing place for a hurting world, it's going to take more than our words. It's going to take hands and feet. Can I have a better amen? This This is what James is talking about. And I believe that if you and I get this right, that there's no limit to where the gospel can go or who it can impact. We must earn the right to be heard, but also actions bring credibility to our message. Our activity as a church will legitimize the message that's heard from this pulpit. Now, here's the thing. I have the privilege. I know we're talking about talk being cheap, and here I am, the preacher that has all the words. Uh, But my prayer is this. What you hear on Sunday is not just empty words. It's not black words on white paper. I pray that what you hear is coming from a place of authenticity and there's credibility from the source. Does that make sense? You know, far too long people have looked at church and they, all they hear is, is what the church is against. Well, we're against that. Well, we're against this and don't do that. Stay away from him. Get away from her. She's wrong. He's wrong. They're worse than they are. Y'all quit doing those bad things and start being good. (laughs) How many of you know that message isn't going to save anybody? You know what? Far too long the world has only heard what the church is against. What if the church was known for what we're for? What if the the world knows that's a place that loves people? That's a place that cares about people. That's a place that gives and serves. You talk about compassion. You know, here's what I love about this house. And I think this speaks so well of you. Because each church has its own unique thumbprint in a community or in a region. And I feel like God has given us a unique identity here in this realm. And what I hear on the streets about your reputation I don't hear people say, hey, look, go to HPC because, man, that brother can preach. That brother can preach. I mean, the house. There's an amazing preacher over there at Healing Place. I can't say that I've ever heard that. Maybe I need to try harder. (laughs) But I've never heard people coming to HPC because the preaching is so good. You know what I hear people say about you? That church serves. Whoa, those people over there, they care. Man, HPC is everywhere. Do you, you want to go to a place where people can help you? Go to healing place. You know what that says? That says that your life is bearing fruit. Come on, can I have a better amen? That says that the message we speak on this platform, it's actually working out in those streets because your life is bringing credibility to it. We're not just saying one thing and doing another. Come on, are you with me? Can I have a better amen? 
You see, this is James is trying to get down to where we live. Uh, my concern is the worst fate of the church is that we slip into irrelevance, that the church is ignored. What is it that keeps the church relevant? We meet needs. We care about people. We add value to others. You know, Pastor, isn't it, is it okay just to be cool? <laughs> Being cool. I'm one of the most cool guys I know. I'm just saying. I really am. My kids adore my coolness. Man, my dance moves are just amazing. I love being cool. How many know that cool doesn't keep you relevant? It, cool doesn't keep you connected. I mean, you know what happens when you go through a hurricane? People don't care how cool you are. They want to know if you care. They, they, man, when a roof has been ripped off their home, they don't care about the lights or the graphics or our cool presentation. Come on, are you with me? And as much as I love all of this stuff, what legitimizes the message and brings power to the church, it's the action that's put to the words. It's people living it out in a way that adds value to others. You see, listen, if our presence doesn't make a difference, then our absence won't even matter. And my prayer is that we just continue to add value because we put our faith to work. Let me, let me finish by telling you this. Faith works when you put it to work. Faith works when you put it to work. Faith has to be more than just us feeling good about what God has done for us. But faith comes alive when we put it to work and we begin to see it impact the world around us. You know, when Jesus would heal... Many times he would require something of the individual that he healed. It was a step of faith. The man with the withered hand, Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. It required his faith to be put to work. The man that was paralyzed on the mat, Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go on home. What was he requiring to do? Put your faith to work. The lepers, the ten lepers that were healed, Jesus didn't heal them immediately, but he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Come on, somebody say, faith works when you put it to work. Let's be a church that rolls up our sleeves. Let's be a church that takes our faith and puts it into a pair of overalls. Come on, somebody. And we'll help dig out somebody that's in a mess. James talks about faith without works being dead. And if that's true, then the opposite is equally true. Faith plus works is fully alive. It's what makes a difference. You know, I remember when Rachel and I first started dating. This was many, many, many moons ago. Eons, ages. Back in the, remember when dinosaurs, y'all remember? That's what my kids say. Dad, that was like forever ago. Y'all are so old. It's crazy. You have kids say crazy stuff to you? Man, I just, I snuggle up to Rachel. She'll be washing dishes. I'll kind of sneak up behind her, just hug her, and just kind of whisper in her ear. And Trevor's like, oh, gross. Dad, get a room. <laughs> he told me that. Dad, get a room. I said, get a room? What you talking about, get a room? This whole house is mine. Go play outside. Come on, somebody. This is a love shack up in here. Get a room. Is that okay, babe? Is that okay that I said that? <laughs> no? I still love, I'm, babe, I'm just going to encourage you right now. I'm going to encourage you. Girl, you just look so fine. I'm going home with you today. That's what I'm saying. 
when Rachel and I started dating, uh, I went over to her church and, um, you know, I, I, I walked into a new space, new environment, didn't know anything about the pastor of the church, but I just want to sit next to her. And so um, I remember they were having like a, a revival, some out-of-town evangelist, and they had this choir up on stage. And one of these ladies that was singing, man, she just, uh, I, immediately I was like, I, I noticed her among all the other choir members. She just smiling, energy, just, I mean, but she had long hair. I mean, she had hair everywhere. And so when she would sing, she whip her hair back and forth. And man, it was just, I'm like, dude, I like that. I like her. I like that girl. Because I know when she was singing, you could tell she was feeling it. She, she showed on the outside what was on the inside. How many, how many like that? How many appreciate that? And um, her hair was so long. Man, she was so energetic, so excited. Well, the next Sunday that I went back, I was checking out the choir. I wanted to find that girl because, man, I was drawing strength from her, man. Come on, I want to see her just slinging that hair and singing about Jesus. And I found her, but she, had, she got her hair cut, and she looked totally different. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what happened? And, you know, she, she had told her husband, I found out afterwards, she had told her husband, Pete, I'm never cutting my hair. Nine years, she had never had a haircut. Nine years, hair was all the way down past her back. And, and so she said, you're going to have to bury me. When I die, you're going to have to bury me with hair down to my ankles. I mean, her hair was just glorious, but she had gotten it cut. And I thought, why would she cut her hair? Well, she learned of an organization called Locks of Love. Many of you have heard of that organization. What they do is they take human hair that's been cut and donated and they make wigs out of that hair for kids who are battling cancer and they've gone through chemo and they've, they've lost all of their hair. So it's just restoring some strength, some dignity, some normalcy to these children. And she said, when I, when I learned of Locks of Love, I knew that I had to, I had to do something. I couldn't just pray for those kids. Lord, bless them, bless their families. She said, I had to get involved. You know, it, I thought about the day that God cut his hair. When God sent Jesus, that was the crowning glory of heaven. And God sent Jesus to come to this earth to bring some dignity to our shame, to cover our embarrassment. Uh, to, to, to bring righteousness and mercy to a people that desperately needed it. And I'm just so glad that God didn't look down from heaven and say, those poor pitiful people. He says, no, I'm going to get involved. And James is saying this. He's saying, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. He's saying, you got faith in God, that's fantastic. Now put it to work and add value to somebody that desperately needs it. Amen. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you receive that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.